hearing Jennifer or if you're watching live stream. And then she's going to come right up. Jennifer Strickland is a wife, mother, author, speaker, and the host of the I Am A Woman podcast. As a former professional model who appeared in Vogue, Glamour, Cosmopolitan, and walked the runway for Giorgio Armani, Jennifer understands the lies the media tells girls about their beauty and worth. Jennifer is a TEDx speaker and author of Beautiful Lies, Girl Perfect, and More Beautiful Than You Know. And there's one more thing I can add to that list of what you are. You're now my friend. We are friends. Her ministry, You Are More, creates resources that teach women and girls their value, identity, and perf purpose in Christ. Give Jennifer a big, big hand as she comes. So much. Oh my goodness. Y'all have been so hospitable to me. I came in from Texas. I can tell you we do not do aerobics at church in Texas. I usually think I have to work out before church, but if I just came here, we could do it all at one. That's why you're so skinny. Uh, <laughs> So it is an absolute honor for me to be here with you this morning, and I would just like to humble myself before the Lord if you would just stand up for me for a moment. You are the King of Kings, and you're coming back for us on a walk, and we'll follow you in your stead, and you will come back one day for your bride, your people. You are so faithful, you are so good, you are so holy. I just ask right now, Father, that I can step aside and that you would speak to your people. Thank you for the blood. It is only by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb that we will overcome every evil thing that comes after us. So thank you for the blood and thank you for the word of our stories of the ways that you have rescued us from the darkness. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. So i got to be careful. My dad called me Stumbles when I was a little girl. I was very, very uncoordinated, uh, which is why my mom got me enrolled in, in a modeling class when I was about eight years old and signed me up in hopes that sh I would learn some grace and to stand up straight and... Uh, I was telling the gals, they really make you stand up there with a telephone book on your head and learn how to stand and project your voice. So I guess God had a plan for me from the time that I was very young. But at 17 years old, I moved to Europe to work in the modeling industry, catalogs and TV commercials. I did Oil of Olay and Mercedes-Benz. I did Eddie Bauer. I was the Jordache girl. I was the Oil of Olay girl. Not a drop of oil, <laughs> as some of you remember that. They've taken the word oil out of it. It's now Olay because they realize no one Wait, It was um, quite an experience growing up in, in Hollywood and, and being sent over to Europe at just a, at, at just a very tender age of 17 years old. And I experienced the exploitation of the modeling industry from a very young age. I was hurt on multiple occasions uh, by the men in the modeling industry. And I was a very young and very innocent child when I first began. At 22 years old, I was struggling with anorexia. I was using and addicted to drugs and alcohol. And I tried to drown myself in my bathroom uh, bathtub. I, the funny thing is, is that I lived with a Victoria's Secret model. And she was so mean. And she was uh, never there. And she wouldn't even share a table with me. She wouldn't even share a meal with me. And I began to just be haunted by the loneliness and also the memories, as many of you girls know, who have been exploited or abused. Those memories, especially by the hands of man, can cause you to want to die. And I didn't know how to talk about my pain because everybody was just obsessed with the image 
they wanted to look at the pictures and they wanted to see the girl who was on the runway and on empty of style and who was in the magazines. Even my own parents had a big collage of the magazines at home and every my parents were very proud of my career. So it was very difficult for me to finally say to them, mom, <laughs> the photographers are hurting the girls. <laughs> And I want to come home. And I made a phone call home uh, when I was living over in Germany. And I was trying to say, I don't care about the money anymore. And I don't care about the glamour anymore. And I am worth more. And I have gifts. And I have talents. And I am not just what you see in the mirror. <laughs> I have a soul here. And I've been in this business for 15 years and I'm ready to speak about what is happening to these girls. And I didn't have that voice. It came out like a very fumbling, I don't know, mom, dad, I want to quit. I, I, I'm not really happy. Well, you have these jobs and, and, and you have this money and you have this opportunity with Armani and blah, 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 blah. And I just hung up the phone. And it was that night that I drank too much and smoked too much. And I had begun to read vampire novels. Um, and I got really into them. And I don't know why. And I became so depressed that I put my head under the water. And I, I, I thought about... Um, just trying to end my life and see if I could actually do that. And I did think about my mother. And I thought, I, I know that I can live again. And I brought my head up out of the water and I slept very long that night. I slept for like 15 hours, clutching my vampire novel under the covers in the darkness. And it was in the morning that I heard a voice, whether it was audible or not, really doesn't matter, but I heard a voice say my name, Jennifer, get up. <laughs> I remembered that when we were singing the song this morning. And I thought, I don't want to get up. I just want to stay here under the covers. <laughs> and I heard the voice a second time, Jennifer, get up. And I sat up out of my bed and I could hear, hear the phone ringing and it was my agent, my modeling agent saying, you have to be on 66 Rosenheimerstrasse to go make a very important photographer to make a lot of money, make sure that you are there. And you know, we didn't have cell phones in those days and so I could ignore it. And I could hear them on the answering machine telling me, go see this guy, go see this woman, go see this very important person who's going to pay you a lot of money to size you up and use you like you're a piece of furniture. And I thought, I'm not doing that today. I'm not going there today. And so that day I packed my little backpack and I went to the park and I wore no makeup and I looked at the families and I looked at the people and I looked at all the joy and the relaxation of the people down by the Danube River in Munich, Germany. And I heard these drums in the distance and I used to go to a lot of concerts when I was that age. And I loved the sound of the drums and so I went toward the sound of the drums into this tall stone gazebo <laughs> in the forest or in the in the in the park and it was emerald green hillside there were these funky people hanging out at the park playing a tambourine and playing a guitar and I sat down at the base of the pillar in the <laughs> in the gazebo and I could hear this man playing the guitar behind me and his voice sounded like the voice of an angel and so I turned to see who it was who was singing such a beautiful sound. And this big burly man, it turned out his name was Michael. He turned his guitar to the side and he reached out into this cardboard box of books and he handed me a book. 
And he says, Das New Testament. Here, you take it. And I'm like, no, no speaking the Deutsch. I don't speak German. Ah, the Bible, the Bible. Here, take it. You need it. And it was like handing a thirsty girl a glass of water. And I drank. But I couldn't read it because it was in German. But I like books. So I kept it. It's so tattered now, it's back at home. They eventually, a girl named Naomi, 16-year-old girl, uh, eventually got me a good news Bible in English, and I began to read it. They invited me to their church on a Friday night. And I remember how warm it was in, those, in that church, you know, and how people didn't look at my outside. They looked in my eyes. They looked into the windows of my soul. They didn't size me up by my body, which some of you, you know, girls, you know, we have a tendency to do that with each other. So if you're sizing me up, you need to stop because I was just a hungry girl. And these people in this church, the way that they looked into the windows of my soul and they saw the lost girl inside and they gave me the water. Mm. It tasted sweet. So eventually I surrendered my life to Christ and I walked away from the modeling industry. The people from the church helped me go to my agency and say in German, she's done. No more, no more. Yeah, I mean, I had agencies literally all over the world. New York, Hollywood, Miami, Paris. Gosh, I don't know, Australia, I mean, Italy, I never talked to them again. The people from the church told them, you go tell them she's no longer to be used like that. She's going home. And I went home uh, to a family who, you know, didn't know Jesus. And so that's been fun sharing Jesus with them ever since. <laughs> you can even imagine. My parents came to know the Lord many years ago. And uh, it's just been a privilege to be a first generation believer in my family. So I took the money that I made modeling and I went back to school, got my master's degree in writing and literature because I wanted to write one book to help one girl. And I wrote my first book, uh, Girl Perfect, a uh, few years after the modeling industry and uh, we just are now releasing the 15 year anniversary of Girl Perfect Confessions of a Former Runway Model and it tells the stories of all the amazing people because there were so many people and they were usually on the street who reached out to me. I, I had person after person after person on the street in Italy, in Germany, in the subway, <laughs> I mean on the street telling me about Jesus and it's crazy that an American girl had to go all the way to to Europe until these street preachers start reaching out to the lost and, and taking the time. Isn't it from the Acts, the book of Acts, that the temple gate called Beautiful, where Peter and John are on their way to the temple and they stop and they look at the beggar. And the beggar reaches out his empty cup and they say, silver or gold I cannot give you, but I, I can give you what I have, which is Jesus. And these people took the time to look in the face of a lost and hurting girl. And then I went on to write More Beautiful Than You Know, which is, we have lots of copies of that book now that teaches girls their, and women their identity in Christ, and it has all the verses that the Lord taught me to heal my heart over the years of the lies that I believed about myself and the lies that I believed about beauty and the lies that the media had taught me. The media had completely brainwashed me Amen. to believe that I was only what I saw in the mirror that I was only as good as what man thought about me, that I had to measure up to the images that we see on the screen, and that I had to hide my pain and I couldn't talk about it. And the Lord set me free to understand that I am his daughter, I am his creation, my body is holy, it is a temple of the living God, that, I am a, that he is the light and I am the light and that I can talk about my story and I could tell about what I had experienced because the light is his territory. So if you're keeping secrets, you're just giving the enemy so much more power over you, sister. 
And brother, if you're keeping secrets, the darkness is his territory. So you got to find somebody, a therapist, a mentor, a friend, a counselor, a pastor, a sister here and say, I, am, I have this that I'm hiding in the darkness and I need to put it in the light because that's God's territory. And in the light, there is healing in the light. And so I'm not a victim. I'm virtuous. I am virtuous. I am valiant. I am a victor. I am who God says that I am. And I've come here to share a very important message with you. I went on to write Beautiful Lies and Beautiful Lies Study Guide. And the next thing you know, we have a ministry and I'm speaking all over the world, blah, 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 blah. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Jesus says, I love this verse in Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. This is a city on a hill. And I have to say, Pastor Richard and, and Pastor Lisa, you have a city on a hill happening over here. This place is what you have built in this place is so authentic. It is so true. And it has been such a privilege to get to witness what you have deposited in this community. A city on a hill is a place of light. Where do you go when you're hungry? You go to a city on a hill and look for a hamburger. That's the first thing I did when I quit modeling. I went and ate a hamburger. But anyway, fries and chocolate, which I'll do later. No, you go and you go to a city on a hill to get gas in your tank, right? And you go to a city on a hill to go and get a snack and go and go to a hospital. That is what the church is. Jesus says, you are a city on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds in heaven and praise the Father. And he also says, you are the salt of the earth. So the light, he is the light, we are the light, right? In Revelation, it says that Jesus himself will be the lamp. We don't even need lamps. There won't even be a sun because the son of God will provide all the light. And we find out how we are in the reflection of who he is. So he is the light, we are the light. But then he says, you are the salt of the earth. What does that mean? Well, salt, Jesus always talked in parables that people understood in the community. And salt, if they didn't have salt, they couldn't preserve their meat. And so the salt preserved the meat. And they knew that without the salt, the meat would spoil. So salt, he says, you are the salt of the earth. What does that mean? You preserve the ways of God for the next generation, you and me. You are the preservation of this nation, of this community, of this block we're on. You're the salt. I'm not the salt of this block. You are. I'm the salt of my block in Texas. If you ever want to come and see my cowboy, you come on. He is so cute, too. Somebody Googled my family last night. She's like, I wasn't trying to stalk you, but I Googled your family. She's like, you have a really cool-looking family. I would show everybody that family. I was like, you're right. I need to do that. He is actually really hot. But anyways, girls, you can't look at him. I'm not going to show you. So the salt, the salt preserves. So you are the salt of this town. Okay, what does that mean, this church? You preserve the ways of this generation. So really strange fun fact about me is that my mother was a sex education teacher in my town in California when I was growing up in San Diego. Now, now young people, I just want you to think about that, or all of us. Let's just think about that. How would you like your mother to be the sex education teacher in your town? And every seventh grader took sex ed from my mom. How humiliating, right? How embarrassing. So I took sex education teacher from my mother because she was the only sex ed teacher in my town and every seventh grader had to take her class. And so there I am. But you know, back then it was more like health class. Yeah, yeah, it was more like health. It was not uh, indoctrination. <laughs> 
they taught us the male anatomy and the female anatomy and the beauty of childbirth. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget seeing all of the photos of the baby in the womb from just the very beginning stages of pregnancy all the way up to the birth. They had these posters of a woman's body that was uh, translucent. So you can see the fetus, the baby, growing from stage to stage to stage. You know, in the, and it, was, it covered the whole wall of my mother's classroom. And I remember seeing the majesty and the beauty of childbirth and the amazing miracle of the female body, the, 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 of who we are, of who God created us to be. Of course, I didn't know God, but I thought it was just so amazing and fascinating and just so beautiful. I'm concerned about the sex education being taught in America, in many schools in America, and I'm sure a lot of you are as well. And if you aren't concerned, you're going to be when you leave this room. And I feel that as a daughter of a sex ed teacher, I have a right to speak about this, especially as a child who is indoctrinated by the media. I understand how the media works. They lie to girls and boys. The media uses brainwashing techniques. And if you want to f- learn more about how brainwashing works, definitely follow my podcast, the I Am a Woman podcast, because I'm going to be teaching the church all of the steps of brainwashing and how media does that with, with people, with all of us. And one of the things that they do is they create loaded language. Loaded language is one of the tenets of the eight tenets of brainwashing as used by Mao in China. Loaded language is when they come up with new terms that didn't exist and give old terms new meaning and punish people who don't use those terms. Lipton's criteria for mind control and thought reform as used by Mao in China used loaded language. All cults use loaded language. All areas of thought reform and mind control use loaded language. Let me explain that again. They give, they, they take old terms and give them new meaning. Did you know that the Cambridge Dictionary and uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary have changed the meaning of the words man and woman, male and female in the last couple of years? I have a dictionary. I'm a, I'm a word nerd because you're about to find this out. And I used to read the dictionary as a little girl. I was always gifted in languages. That's why I shouldn't have, yeah, I was so lost as a model, because I had something else that I was gifted with. And I used to read the dictionary. I pulled out my 1990 or 1980s Webster dictionary the other day and looked up the words male and female, man and woman. They were very simple. Have you looked it up lately on the online dictionary? Because the online dictionaries are always changing. Did you know the government recently told us to stop using the word mankind? Oh, geez, I feel like that's in Genesis 1. Male, female, man, and woman, Genesis 1, 2. So there is a spiritual principle called zakar. Why do we tell our stories? Why do I go way back when I worship and I say, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave, get up, get up. You know, why do we do that? And I remember myself in the grave. Why do I do that? Why do I tell you about the bathtub? I'm a mother of three amazing children. I don't even, that was 1995. Why do I do that today? Because there is power in remembering And there is a spiritual principle in the Bible called remembering, and the word is zakar. It's found hundreds of times in the Bible. When God said in Genesis 9, 12, God said, when I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds, and I will zakar. I will remember my covenant. Did you know? Do your children know? Does this town know that the rainbow is a symbol of a covenant? It's a symbol of a promise. God told us. I was reading Revelation last night. 
I get stayed, stayed up all night after conferences like that. I'm reading Revelation. Oh, my gosh, the rainbow surrounds the throne in Revelation. Yes, yes. I had never seen that before. It is his symbol. It is his promise. It is his covenant. What is a covenant? It's a promise. And when God makes a promise, he never changes his mind. He will never change his mind about you. You can sin, fall over, get off the narrow road, go back to the wide, go back to the narrow. It don't matter. He's never going to forget the promise he made to you, that you are his child. And if you're not his child yet, we're going to make sure we take care of that kind of business today. So the, the rainbow is the, is the symbol of his promise. In Deuteronomy 32, 7, it says, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you your elders, and they will tell you. You will find all through Deuteronomy, Moses, remember the commands of God. Fathers, tell your children the commands of God. Fathers, pass on the commands of God to your children. Talk about them when you walk. walk write them on your door frames. Talk about them here. Talk about them at the table. Talk about why does the Bible tell, especially men, by the way, to remember the commands of God and pass them on to the next generation? Why does he tell us to do this? Because there's a power in remembering. Hold on. I'm getting so excited about this. I love this, I, I love this, I love this word, Zakar, to make sure I can hear. So let me, let me, let me explain. See, the Bible is a, a, a is written in a language of action okay so a noun in the bible works like a verb okay okay so the name zakar is the same word for male so i, I want to i want to talk because male and female just changed in cambridge and merriam webster do we know what male means in the bible are our children gonna know I mean, are, are, are we just going to let the world change the meaning of mankind and act like we don't even notice? Uh, we're dancing. You guys are dancing around the schools. So it says that, uh, that the word Zakar is to remember the word. Let, let's get to that. Hold on. Uh, hold on. Well, well, don't worry about the slides right now. Hold on. The, the word zakar, the word male in scripture means one who remembers the commands of God and passes them on to the next generation. The word male. See, in biblically male, it may be a noun in Hebrew, but it acts like a verb. It acts like an action. Okay? So when I used to teach... English after I got my master's degree and left modeling I taught English to to little to kids in a small Christian school so I would I would I would underline the noun and I would circle the verb why would we would we circle the pronoun no the pronoun has no meaning we would circle the verb why because the verb is the action of the sentence what is the action of the male biblically it is to remember the commands of God oh thank you thank you and, and, and teach them to the next generation. It is a backward and a forward motion. See, to us, remembering seems like we're going to go back and remember all the good times. Okay, think about your marriage. Think about if you're married. If you kind of forget you lost that love and feeling, you ever lost that love and feeling? Marriage get lying to me. Have you ever lost that love and feeling? I can't even tell the truth. I'm just saying, have you ever lost that love and feeling? Right? And what do, you, what do you need to do? You need to take her on a date. You need to remember. You need to remember why you fell in love with her in the first place. Yeah, right? You need to remember how you felt the butterflies when you first met him. And you need to recall. And you need to memorialize. you got to watch your wedding video. We always watch our wedding video every year on our anniversary. We've been married now 23 years. I've been married to the cowboy 23 years. We're, oh, we're going to watch the wedding video. And the kids are like, oh, my gosh, look how young you are. Daddy, you had hair. You know, it's like, yeah, Mom, you didn't have any wrinkles. I know, I know. But we're remembering. Why do we go back? We go back to remember so that we can ignite that again so that we can then do what? Move forward. 
with the torch of remembering. We go back so we can go forward. So zakar, the word for male, means to go back so you can go forward. It says, remember the commands of God. Remember the bow and the clouds. Remember the way that I led you through the wilderness. Remember God as I remember you. So you can go forward with that torch of remembering. Does that make sense? It's a backward and a forward motion. It's an action to be a male. It's not just physical. Although there are some physical things about the word male, but... I don't need to explain what they mean. Hebrew, male means man, son, remember, record, recall, memorialize. To remember God's commands and act upon that knowledge. A male also speaks and acts on behalf of the family. It's kind of interesting. When I began to study this word male, I realized why Jesus was male. Because he acts and speaks on behalf of the family. He acts and speaks on behalf of the God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. The family, his family. He had one son. Mm. And he recorded, if you will read the Old Testament very carefully, you will see that the lineage of Jesus was recorded through the name of the male. Right? So through the male, he speaks in behalf on behalf of the family, on, on behalf of the family. If if that's what's so difficult about being a single single mother, a single woman. You gotta take on both identities. It's very difficult. That's why they're the most amazing women walk on water on the planet. Because it's not easy to carry the shoulders of a family and a woman because the, the family is designed that the man would do that. In fact, did you know that even in, I believe it's Ecclesiastes or Song of Solomon, somewhere in the Proverbs literature, it describes a man as the shoulders of the family and the, and the woman as the eyes. So the man carries, the, 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 he can handle the weight. Woman can't, it's harder for us. We can we are very powerful we're made in God's image we can do anything but the design of God is that man man would carry the family and so he carries the family on his strong shoulders and passes on the family name he is also designed to protect and nourish the family and within the letters the interesting thing about Hebrew too this is crazy not only do the words have action every letter has an action in, in, in the word Hebrew, in the word male in Hebrew, there's this letter, and it means head first, chief beginning. It means he was the first. God created man first, and then he created the woman. doesn't mean he's superior because we're both created in his image, but he is the one. Did you notice that when Eve ate the apple, who did God call on? Adam. Adam, why are you hiding why? He was the first. It was his responsibility. He fulfills his function when he passes on the commands of God to the next generation. What does it mean to be female in, in the Hebrew? See, what we're going to do here is we are going to go back so that we can go forward. The female in the Hebrew in, in, in Genesis means nekeva. It, it, it's pronounced nekeva. It is also an action. In some, the female brings life. She is a life giver and a life maker. That is why Adam called Eve, uh, Eve, <laughs> called the woman Eve, named her Eve, because Eve means the life giver. Have you ever noticed the way a woman sets the tone in the home? If mama ain't happy, nobody happy. If mama got an attitude, mama got to repent because everybody else is going to get an attitude. Mama sets the tone in the home. Her voice either brings life or death through the power of her tongue. We see that in the wise or the foolish woman of Proverbs. A foolish woman will tear people down with her tongue. She will tear a man down. She can destroy him with her words so fast. But her name means life. Her name means life. And so when we fulfill our God-given function, we bring life. The female 
actually does have also a physical uh, description in the Hebrew word for female. It means to make a hole by piercing, to be bored through. It's very interesting, obviously, in the male-female relationship, the man is the giver, the woman is the receiver, right? She is the one with the birth canal. She is the one who's been pierced through, just as hard Jesus was pierced, was pierced. And you wonder if when he hung on the cross, if he hung for every girl that had been bored through and pierced in a way that was not God's original design. She, her name means designated or appointed as a setting for a precious stone, a boundary keeper. In the letters of the word female, we learn that she is the one who will continue the cycle of life through the shedding of the water and the blood. That is why you have so many women not real happy right now about men in our bathrooms. Men saying they can be women. We're like, excuse me, have you ever had a period? Are you serious? You want to take the name woman? You want to take our name? My name means life. I continue the cycle of life in my family through the shedding of the water and the blood. And did it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts to be a woman. Yeah, it hurts to give birth. And it hurts all the way through the way creating life for the man hurts all the way through creating sustenance for his family and what he was created to do. It's not easy to carry the weight of a family. It's not easy to provide for a family. It's not easy to be a mother. But it's a gift, and it's the gift of life. There is a letter inside the word woman, inside the word female, inside the word mother that makes every Hebrew word feminine if it's found on the end of the word. And this letter at the end means it's called hey. It's twice in Yahweh's name. Did you know Yahweh? Did you know Yahweh means behold the hand, behold the nail, behold, behold, twice in his name. The letter behold in woman's name, in the mother's name, in the daughter's name. It's not in the men's names. Behold, it means it looks like a woman standing in front of a window saying behold. It is the one who announces, the one who brings life, the one who brings revelation. That's why so many churches don't letting women speak why are the girls suffering the way that they are because the voice of revelation didn't it come through a woman mary magdalene jesus chose a woman to announce the resurrection behold behold yahweh yahweh if you take the name yahweh let's talk about men and women for a moment I had a little bit more time. Okay. All right. Let's back up then. So God created man from the soil. It says in Genesis that he created man from the red earth from the dust, from the soil. And in the name man is this letter, a Hebrew letter that symbolizes the hands. The other two letters in the name man spell fire. A man's name in Hebrew means hands on fire. He was created with God's hands and would reflect God's hands. That a man was created to build and nurture and protect the life in his family and sustain the life in his family. It is a myth that the women are the nurturers only. That's not actually true biblically. The men are the ones who nurture the ground of the family to grow and flourish. You see this later, I believe it's in Jeremiah, where it says that the men, your sons, would be like fruitful vines growing from the earth. 
and the women would be like strong pillars. Your daughters would be pillars to uphold. The women were made from the bone. The men were made from the soil. It is actually my husband that nurtures my abilities and my gifts and talents. I married him because he looked at me and said, I want you to be a writer. I want you to do that. I want you to go and speak. I want you to lead this Bible study. Write that Bible study. Do that, Jen. He's there with the children now at the ranch. They're probably feeding the cows. But the truth is, he is nurturing life right now. Because he nurtured me. He waited for me on our wedding day. He valued me. He nurtured the life inside of me. Man was created from the soil to serve the earth, to build from the, even after the fall, the dry cracked ground that he would, he has that in him. We don't. Our name does not mean hands on fire. Our name means something else. And a man, as we know, can use his hands to destroy and abuse and to take and eat. Take and eat. That's Cain and Abel. <laughs> take, eat. Take, eat. Destroy. Hurt. How does a man hurt? He hurts or he builds. He destroys or he nurtures. He destroys life. And he hurts life and he hurts women or he nurtures them and he builds them up. And it is the man that creates the soil in the family for everyone to grow. It's pretty awesome. So what happened there after man created, uh, or God created mankind? That's why the government tells us to stop using the word, word mankind. Ha, No. Do you know what mankind means biblically? It is a verb. It's not a thing. It is an action. And it means to reflect God in the earth. Right. To be human is to reflect God and his characteristics. In Hebrew, if you don't reflect God and his characteristics, you're not considered human. The meaning of humanity is to be a reflection of God. So there was a problem in the garden. We'll go through this quickly. I taught this very more deeply with the women over the weekend. But he says in Genesis 2.18, the first translations before people changed them, I will make a vital helper similar to him. So he says, basically, God says that man needs an equal. He needs one like him. He needs a companion. He gives the woman, he uh, gives the man, the woman, right after he has given uh, the mankind the command not to eat from the, the other tree in the garden, the one that would bring death. As soon as he gives him that command and says, don't eat from the tree that would bring death, he goes, oh, he needs a woman. He needs a helper. He needs someone to help him. Someone to hold him accountable, someone to walk with him, someone to be his companion, someone to walk side by side with him, go face to face with him. That's what the name Azera Konegdo, when God says he needs a suitable helper, which really means a vital helper similar to him, who's opposite him, who's face to face with him and side by side with him. Basically, he says, look, the animals aren't going to do it. This guy needs a companion. And he's not going to be able to resist the tree without a friend, without someone by his side. Someone who is as strong with him, as powerful as him. And remember, let me just tell you, when God created male and female, he gave them both the command, the mankind, the command to rule and subdue the earth. So when man and woman stand side by side to rule and take dominion and subdue, there is power. So the enemy wants to divide that and convolute that and twist that and change that. But we're the people of God. <laughs> you cannot do that. He created male and female in his image to rule, subdue, and take dominion together. It's what men and women need to do right now in our nation. 
So the woman was created from the rib. So very briefly, the woman is the, is the rib. She is created also to serve the one from whom she was created. Woman, man was created to serve the earth, and he was created from the earth to serve the earth and sustain the family from the earth. The woman was created from the rib, as a rib, to protect his heart. To protect him spiritually. To pray for him, to sustain him. As the ribs sustain and protect the inner organs, she's strong like bone. She is to shield mankind from the pain. She is to protect the, the whole family, not just the man, but mankind. He created her as an Azir Konegda, which means one who would help and assist mankind when they were struggling. Are, are people struggling? <laughs> it's the call of the hour. So I told you that man's name in the Hebrew, when you look at the letters, it means hands on fire. The woman's name has also the two letters that, smell, that spell fire. And in her name, woman, is a third letter, and it's the hey. It's the behold. It's the one who brings breath life and revelation so if the man is hands on fire the woman is breath on fire and women we know we can be a fire breathing dragon or we can be the fire that purifies and brings new life if you take the two letters out of woman's name and man's name that are different they spell yah yahweh when you take the word that means behold, the words that means breath, and you take the word that the, the, the letter that is the hands and the man, and you put them together, it spells Yah. Without Yah in a man's and women's relationship, we're just fire. We'll just destroy one another. You take man and woman out of our culture, if you take the male and the female out of the culture, it will self-destruct. Together, man and woman make up the image of God. So again, the I am a woman, the name means essential helper, rescuer. She has a military connotation to her name. We talked about that. She is a warrior, a boundary keeper, a spiritual guardian. The female continues the cycle of life through the shedding of the water and the blood. The wife, interesting. The word woman in Hebrew is the same word for wife. She is the one who either brings life or destruction to the man. The woman sets the tone in the home. Our name means life. It is a very big responsibility. So when we have little girls all over this nation suddenly believing that they're boys, we need to speak the truth and we need to speak life. Thank you. We're going to close. If I could just have five more minutes, I would really appreciate it. The, the, children, the children were of great concern to Jesus. In Mark 10, 13, Jesus, the people were bringing the little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. I looked up the word indignant this morning. Basically, it means he was angry. It's what it means. He was very angry. Because the children were crying to come to him. And the people were stopping them. How do we stop the children of this generation to come to him? Well, we can medicate them. How many children right now are on antidepressants and anti-anxiety and drugs and drugs and drugs? So they cannot think clearly. They cannot see the light of Christ. The enemy is blinding them, their spiritual eyes, through the drugs and the medications. 
sometimes there's very necessary medications, but we better be careful because not every little excited boy is ADD. He was created to nurture the orchard. Maybe he needs to go cut some trees. That's what my husband did when I made him wait for marriage. He's like, I'm going to move some trees. <laughs> yeah, I'm, every tree, every tree moved. In our first house when I was a bride, he carried me across that threshold. He had moved every tree. He had dug up every root. <clears throat> Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he took the children in his arms and he put his hands on them and he blessed them. See, people were bringing to Jesus to the children for him to touch them. I wonder what happened if, you know, just step back to school night or whatever, you just kind of just touch them. Because you have that power. I wonder if the men and women would actually go together to back to school night, the fathers and the mothers, together, because, see, together we take dominion. Together we subdue. Together we, we, we rule. And so as this spirit from, Cal- from California, so, you know, my mom could never teach sex education in California now because they've, they're teaching the kids 67 genders. I read you last night from healthline.com, 67 genders and forms of sexuality. Women's Health Magazine. Jesus, Jesus. I thought about Martin Luther King. Last night, as I was thinking about what I would share with you this morning, he was a preacher. Mm. He didn't turn a blind eye. (laughs) He didn't act like it wasn't happening. They are mutilating children in our nation right now. Little boys are being castrated because they think they're girls. Little boys. Now, we're not talking about 40, 50-year-old, 30-year-old men who decide to be transgender. That's a whole other deal. We're talking about the children. We're talking about the children. When are the people of God going to say, not on my watch? Not on my watch. I really started thinking about it last night, and this morning I wept. The little girls that are being given double mastectomies because they think they're boys and then they wake up at 20 and 25 and they say, what did you do to me? Why didn't you speak up for me? Why did I go to church every single Sunday and nobody ever said a word about everything they were telling me on TikTok and on Instagram and even in school? My teachers, my doctors, everybody was saying this was the path for me, that I could go from female to male. And I find out at 2025 that it was a total lie. I actually cannot change. It cannot be done. You, you cannot, a doctor cannot put a womb inside of a, wom- a man. It can't happen. His body would reject it as a wound. So, you know, I just was thinking about Martin Luther King. And I was just thinking that maybe it's our time to be salt and light. Maybe it is our time to, you know, there is a time to speak and a time to be silent. And I, I really feel on my heart as a woman in this nation who was created to help mankind, who was, Jesus said, don't let the children, not the children, do not hinder them. They took dominion. Martin Luther King, did you show the pictures? The third one, where they're walking in the street. Look at that. Look at them taking dominion. They didn't just go to church. They walked the streets. They went not to bash buildings, to save children. To save people. 
from being whipped and beaten. The children are being, and I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying. No, wait a minute. Yeah, I am. I am trying to stir things up. I am turning over a table in the temple today. I am. I am. I am. That's not, our children are not for sale. They are not for sale. And the one thing that all of us can stand together on is this is the word of God. We can, re, we can remember and we can pass on the meaning of male and female to the next generation. And we can only do that together. And we can take dominion. We can rule. We can subdue these spirits. Tell, let me tell you, the spirit is pushing from California to the East Coast. Push it back. Push it back. It's time to push back. It is time. I have a dream. <laughs> I have a dream. I do. I have a dream that every child in this nation will grow up with the freedom of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we will no longer butcher our children on the altar of ideology that is false and it is a lie. It is a lie. It is the first lie. Did God really say he created us male and female? Um, yeah, he did. It's done. He did. So, Jesus, Jesus weeps over the children. Together, only together. So, I was given the privilege of using the pastor's bathroom. <laughs> and in between his bathroom and his office is this painting, this, this painting. These are our founding, this is how this nation was founded. This is how it was founded. And this is how it's gonna be saved. This is how together I invite you to come forward to the altar and to pray for our nation and pray for our children and pray for these schools because we are salt and we are light and we are the ones to preserve the meaning of man and woman, <laughs> male and female for the next generation. And if there is anyone in this room who does not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand and look at me because today is the day that you come into the kingdom of light. Today is the day because we are declaring war and we are gathering an army. So if you are, do not know Jesus as your Savior, will you please just raise your hand and just look at me, just look at me so I know that I can pray for you. If there's anyone here and everybody here is a daughter and a son of light? Well, then there's power. Then there is power in this room.
to 